0: Hey, everybody. This is your host, LaVie. Welcome to Thrift Therapy, the podcast all about thrift life recycling, collecting, DIYing, all the ups and downs, ins and outs of thrifting. So glad you joined me for this thrift adventure.
1: April
0: hey, everybody. Welcome to Thrift Therapy. This is your host, LaVie. Those tunes you hear playing in the background are by none other than the great Frank Sinatra. The album that that's from is obviously thrifted, because that's all I review on here is thrifted albums, is Come Fly With Me. it also says featuring Billy May and his orchestra sounds important I better tell you guys that anyway Frank's on the cover looking pretty fly he's got his thumb in the air he's got the hand of a lady he's wearing a dark suit a snazzy hat and there's a plane in the background by TWA with like a red racing stripe up the stairwell that connects to the outside of the plane and goes down to the tarmac, old school. I remember climbing those when I would fly to see my, from my parents, to see my grandparents. And I would fly alone when I was little. And, uh, I would have to walk up those stairs. And I remember one time I dropped my teddy bear down the stairs and it seemed like it was gone forever. But of course, it was just at the foot of the stairs. Anyway, this record, I would give it. Yeah, I'm going to give it four and a half Nagels. It's pretty good. I like it. It's got two kinds of songs on it. This type, which is kind of the sexy crooner ballad. Maybe this is when you have like seven bourbons. And then it's got this, like, peppy, kind of swing, smooth, happy-go-lucky kind of tune on it. So there's there's the Seven Bourbons In ballad, and there's the, like, Two Bourbons In happy tune where you can still dance. So it goes kind of like this. One very slow ballad, one very peppy, dancy tune, one very slow ballad, and so on. So they did a good job of balancing the record. And I think if you like Frank Sinatra, you're definitely going to be into both of those offerings. If you see this record in a thrift store, definitely buy it. I wouldn't spend more than five bucks on it, but it's a good find. So grab it. And I I tend to do that with any of the Rat Pack. I have a lot of Dean Martin records. For some reason, those are a little bit easier to find. All right, well, let me tell you what we're gonna be talking about today. I have uh, dedicated this episode to Patreon member Jillian Price. She is one of my middle pledge levels that gets to pick the episode topic. And she wanted us to cover sustainability and the eco-friendly aspects of thrifting versus buying brand new garments. So I have a guest on today all the way from France, thus the music selection, who is going to talk with us about the negative aspects of the fashion industry, particularly fast fashion, and how thrifting is a good way to combat that while we work towards more global and more sustainable change. Other news I have for you guys is that I have two new Patreon members and I want to give them a shout out. I appreciate all my pledges. And the majority of my Patreon pledges are thrift bag subscribers because that's how I like to run the thrift bag part of the show. I have Kathy, who's pledged in at the $40 thrift bag, and Elizabeth, who pledged in at the $30 thrift bag. Thank you for filling out your survey, Kathy. Elizabeth. I already bought some stuff for the September thrift bags on this holiday weekend, so that was pretty fun, and I got some really sweet deals. 75% off at Thrift City. Shout out to the Thrift City employees if you're listening. Y'all are amazing. And then I went over to Buffalo Exchange and I picked up some rad things as well. Love you guys, you're my favorite. I hope some of you are listening to the podcast because I know I talk about it all the time. Okay, in other news, what do I have? Oh, I wanted to tell you guys that I don't have any five-star reviews to read you. I think that you're tired of me telling you or that all of those who are going to write a review have. Just in case neither one of those is true pretty pleased with the cherry on top go over a rate review and subscribe to the show it really helps thrift therapy get noticed and it helps people find us easier also today i want to read some listener comments because as i was putting together the episode and editing the interview with jay i began to think about what's the opposite of fast fashion? And I thought, well, it's something slow, obviously. And it made me think with some humor about maybe the longest times I've spent in thrift stores. I wonder what other people's longest time ever in a thrift store is. So I went to all my social media pages and I asked the question and I got a lot of responses. So I'm going to read some of those to you. But first let me tell you I think the longest time that I've ever spent in a thrift store oh I'm a little embarrassed It was probably on the order of about five hours it was a long one but to be fair it was really big I hadn't been there before and I was with a friend who was also really into thrifting and we just dug in we were there like pretty much it felt like the whole day in fact We were the last people there. I don't know what time we got there, but we were there a really long time, and they were like, could you please leave now and take all this shit with you? So that was a really long time. I think that was the longest I've ever spent, but I have definitely spent entire days thrifting, just not all at one store. So I got to thinking a little bit about what makes it so fun to stay at a thrift store that long, why would I be at? A, because I'm pretty sure I've never been at like, I don't know, Forever Twenty One for five hours. I don't think unless I was working there or something. I don't think I've ever been to a department store for five hours. How can I stay at a thrift store for five hours? Like, what the hell is going on in there? So I thought about well, what was I doing? And I think really it's like I would that the times that I'm in the longest, what I'll do is I'll go in and I will do like a tour. I'll start at my favorite place, you know, which is usually, it depends on the thrift store. This was a new thrift store, so I didn't have a favorite place, so I started at the place nearest me. That's what I usually do, if I haven't been there before. But my favorite places in thrift stores, you know, I'll start there, and then I'll go through that meticulously one time, and I'll kind of hit all my favorite spots, and then I'll go back and hit all the spots for my not favorite, And I'll do that and then I'll gather everything that catches my eye. I don't even care if it's like a yes or no It's just like I like it. It goes in the cart. So sometimes I can have like a Mountain of stuff in my cart doesn't mean I'm gonna get all that it means that that's first round So then I will head over to like a mirror hopefully I can find one or a dressing room and I will start parsing through. I'll hold things up. I'll try on jackets. I'll try on blazers. I'll try on accessories. And I'll, I'll reflect on whether or not I think they're good for me. And then I will put the things away that I don't want to take. And then I'll have a pretty big leftover pile of things I'm interested in. But then I'll feel like I need to go do a second look. Because I think like... On the second look I'm digging a little bit more thoroughly and I have an idea of what kind of thing I'm really wanting now that I have a collection of probably because I'm trying to fill in little gaps like maybe I'll have found a really cool jacket what it needs is a skirt that's pleated or maybe I'll have found like a really cool pair of trousers and I want like a sloppy t-shirt for it so I'll be going back the second time to look at Uh, things a little more closely and maybe also for particular items and then if I get a second pile I'll do the same process and I'll go through and then everything that's left that I'm not 100% on I'll go try it on in the fitting room and then that usually generates a whole pile of no's because things just don't always look on you the way that they look on a hanger and sometimes the opposite's true sometimes things look amazing on you that you're kind of like I don't know, I'm not a 100 on this. So there is a try-on process, but I save it till the end. And then once I try everything on, it's the yeses, yeses, the yes maybes, and the noes. The yes maybes, depending on if I have a budget or not, I will go through one more time and try to cull it down. And then the yes yeses and I go to the counter. So it is kind of a lengthy process. I can see how... I would take so long. And then if you add, I've never been here before and it's really giant and there's a lot to choose from, well, there you go. Look, if you add a color sale like on a holiday, I think you can easily spend an extra hour just if there's a big sale because you have to stand in line for a really long time. Like I went today and I was only there for two hours, but I spent about, um, 30 minutes of that in line. So that can really add to your process as well. But I think it's really just the excitement of digging through all the treasure. Every piece is unique. So you have to literally go through every piece if you want to know that you really thrifted that store. So I think that's how I end up staying a long time in a thrift store. Now, I definitely have talked about and I will continue to talk about my mini thrifts, which are probably my favorite because they fit into my work week real easily, where I can spend like 30, 45 minutes in a thrift store and walk out with killer stuff. That's a different process because I am there to maximize Uh, what I find in the shortest amount of time possible. So that's a different episode. This is when I don't have a time limit and I really just want to relax and enjoy myself. That's my process. And I do find it enjoyable and in fact therapeutic, which is why the podcast is named what it is. There's something about spending quality time looking through everything that I just really enjoy. I don't have a really good explanation for it. It just... I don't know. It just is a really pleasurable experience for me, and it seems like I'm not alone because I have a lot of listener comments to share with you guys. Andrea says her longest time is four to five hours, and this is what she does: I walk around, go through everything, throw things in my basket, sit down, go through and inspect zippers, buttons, holes, soles, etc., check to see if things work if they are electronic put things back, try to decide if it's worth the price, do I really need it, etc. It seems around that time my back starts hurting or I get hungry, then I leave. Smiley face. I really resonate with that. Like I'm not that meticulous about whether or not something is damaged. If my husband's along, he always does that work for me because he has a really good eye. Frankly, I just can't see as good as I used to and I miss things occasionally. But good call, Andrea, you probably should check, and you probably should check and make sure the electronics work, that's a good plan. And yes, yes, yes to the back starts hurting or I get hungry, or I have to go to the restroom. Any one of those things is likely to make me ready to go. Marilyn was replying to that comment, and she says that she had a clerk tell her Thursday, I was there for one hour and 45 minutes, and this is all you found? Yes, I was looking for a purple string for 50% off. She says it's the sticker that's purple and like 20 exclamation points. I'm sorry, Marilyn. I bet that was frustrating. It sounds like you spent a lot of time trying to find something and then you found out you were looking for the wrong thing. I hope you found some cool stuff anyway, whether it was half off or not. Marcia says about two hours. I may leave and hit two more nearby thrift stores. I have Savers and three other thrift stores within a half a mile of each other. Also in that area is a clothing mentor and a Goodwill, about a five minute drive from there. Near my Savers is a furniture consignment store also. Oh my God, Marcia, I think if I lived there, I could easily spend, I mean, at least two hours, probably more like the entire day. That sounds awesome. Denise says, "I was at the bin store for 3 hours last Friday." You know, Denise, the bins requires a lot of time. I've only been there once this year and it was about 3 hours. It 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 took a while. I agree with that cuz however meticulous you are in a run of the mill thrift store at the bins, you've got to be you know, at least twice as meticulous because the things in there are pretty uh, intensely buried among garbage. Let's be honest, garbage. So you really have to be patient and you have to be uh, really focused and stay at it for a while and you will really find some good stuff for, for really, really cheap. Sarah says... Oh man, probably three hours way back in the day when I was new and didn't know the ropes. Now I'm super efficient, winky face. That's a good point, Sarah. I think I can do my mini thrifts now because I'm super efficient and I really know what to do. And I think that really helps me get the most thrift out of the least amount of time. But for on those slow days, like those three-hour days, I revert back to... Just being innocent and having a good time rather than being efficient. So I think that's a key word there, efficient. If you are being efficient, you're probably not going to spend all day in the thrift store. Samantha says, I think maybe two or three hours, reasons. I have allergies to dust and mold, too. I get brain fog after thrifting for so long. A good thrift shop is one you have to root through because of all the treasure and hopefully a lack of high pricing. Therefore, I get tired after reading book bindings sideways or rifling through vintage clothing for extended periods of time. Three, occasionally I will enter a warehouse style thrift shop like Value Vintage. It's impossible not to be sucked into the vortex for a minimum of two hours. There you go, girl. I get it. Like, the vortex. That's a good way to describe it. I feel like I'm trying to avoid the vortex when I'm being efficient like Sarah. Like, I have to see it as a flat universe rather than this thing that wants to pull me into it with no time constraints. I like that. Yeah, the allergies can be a little overwhelming sometimes. I hear you there. Shannon says, three to four hours, and because that's how long it takes me to fully go through everything with no time constraints. Yep. I think that's pretty much, maybe there's an average of just about like three and a half to four hours here, I think. Three hours sounds like a common time. Pearl says, one time I went to four stores in one day, retail therapy. Pearl, I say yes to four stores in one day, but let's call that thrift therapy. Never pay retail. Am I right? Lori says, not sure I'll let you know after I hit up all the Labor Day 50% off sales at my three semi-local savers today. Yes, Lori, you better post a thrift haul in the thrift therapy Facebook group. I got to see it. I definitely scored a lot of good shit. And we had 75% off. So show me the goodies, Lori. You're doing it right. Okay, I have a few more to read. Here we go. This is from the Thrift Therapy Group on Facebook. Lisa says three hours. They were apparently amazing donations in my size and taste. And they just kept rolling out more every time I tried to leave. Heartface laughing face yep that's the best thrift day ever like that's like dream thrift day that's so good lisa i would never leave cancel my life i'm just gonna thrift sherry says four hours at the salvation army in chicago three floors trying on costumes and vintage dresses i mean sherry Shut the front door. Four hours, three floors, dying. I really need to go to this Salvation Army. I hope I get to go to Chicago just so I can go there. In fact, that's where I'm just going to randomly vacation in Chicago so I can go to a three-floor Salvation Army. That sounds amazing. Estrella says, two hours at the bins because it's the bins. Yep, the bins. They suck you in. Madeline says, not sure an exact time span for me. It depends on how long I browse and how much stuff I gather to try on and how tricky to try on the pieces are. You know, I have this thing now where if it's hard to try something on, I'm already over it and I just give up. Like, if I can't get it on at the store, I definitely don't want to fuss with it later. I just can't. But I hear what you're saying. Sometimes you just want to browse like more than other times, right? And sometimes you're luckier than other times. So that makes sense. Lena says, two hours, maybe three. I get indecisive a lot and I have to put it down. Walk around and go out, then come back sometimes. lena you sound like my husband he can't make a decision to save his life i have to force him to i'm like get it and i just grab it and put it in the cart and go check out <laughs> because he can't decide he'll try on like all this stuff and then be like i don't know i don't want anything <laughs> and i get so annoyed so lena i'm gonna come shopping with you and i'm just gonna decide for you Taryn says, two hours, that's a long time for me. Reason, waiting on my daughter to try on everything on the racks. You know, shopping with your kiddos can be intense. Now that my son's older, it's less intense because I don't bother him that much. I just say, go try on whatever. And he, like, takes a normal person amount of time to try things on. But when he was young, I don't know what he was doing in there. He was just goofing off. It was so frustrating. Mel says, two or three hours, I think. Big thrift store and just browsing for fun. Yeah, it is really fun. I'm glad you enjoy it, too. Eleanor, probably three hours looking at everything at the Park Avenue Thrift Outlet in Atlanta on 50 Cent Day. Eleanor! What is going on? Now I have to go to Atlanta, too. I mean, I'm just going to have to start vacationing more, I think. (laughs) There's so many thrift stores I need to go to. It's fun. It's really fun to get sucked into stuff like that. I enjoy it so, so much. Well, thanks, everyone, for taking the time to tell me about your slow thrifts because I think it's a good antidote to how fast life moves now. I was talking with people recently about how, it just, I don't know, my brain just feels like it's buzzing all the time and sometimes I just need to step away from electronic devices. I need to get away from chores, I need to get away from all the demands of everything, and thrifting is one of the ways that I do that. Like I don't answer my phone much when I'm thrifting, I just forget about stuff and I'm just really in my own zone. And I really need that, it sort of clears out that buzzing sound in my head and resets me to some normal speed instead of like, must get everything done right now, speed. So. I appreciate all those comments. I love the idea in my head that's formed of all you people shopping around the world in these really slow ways in thrift stores. It's just giving me so many chuckles and joy today. I hope it brightens your day too. And thanks everyone for listening to the show. I have been taking request for interviews if you would like to be on thrift therapy i would love to have you on thrift therapy i'm currently scheduled for the next two months but i'll need to schedule interviews for the next two months so why don't you join the facebook group thrift therapy pod on facebook and also on instagram and go ahead and private message me Pitch me to come on the show. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what you'd like to talk about, and I will try to get you scheduled for an interview. It's so fun to meet all of you, and everybody brings a unique perspective. Well, that's really all I have for you before we get started with the interview. Jay is going to be with us all the way from France. Jay is 19. She's a French sociology student with an artistic mind, and she's been thrifting for a little over a year. She's really into the message around fast fashion and how problematic it is, but really loves fashion because of the creative side of it. And she likes plants. So without further ado, let me get Jay on. Hi, Jay. Hi. Welcome to Thrift Therapy. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me here. Now, I'm calling you from San Antonio, Texas in the United States. Where are you right now?
1: I'm in the north of France.
0: Awesome. One of my unchecked boxes on my bucket list is to go to Paris. I'm sure you hear that a lot.
1: I hear that a lot, especially online when people see I'm from France, but... Honestly, I've been only once to Paris, and I didn't really find that that interesting because it was raining. <laughs> it's probably only pretty under the sun. That's
0: what my grandma said. She's She passed away a few years ago, but she traveled all over the world, and um, she said one of her least favorite places was for Paris, France. <laughs> she says, it's rainy and dirty. I don't like it.
1: <laughs> well, it's true and it's rainy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good to know I'll try to not go in the rainy season and I'll try to avoid that why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about how we met we met on the thrifting amino that I've been talking about on my podcast and you have a community in there that's about positivity and wellness so why don't you just talk to us a little bit about that
1: All right, Um, so it's a community called Become the Best Version of You. And I started it in February of last year, I think. And um, the goal was to help people do things for themselves, for other people, and for the environment in general. So to help them do positive things. And now it's going more into the direction of mental health, and self-love and positivity in general.
0: I like that. That's really cool. And I think online, I find it very challenging sometimes because it moves so quickly. And I think people say things that they wouldn't say if you were in person, like they would maybe filter a little bit more. (laughs) You agree?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I even do sometimes, but that's because I'm too shy in person. I will be more understanding maybe online. If someone is mean to me, uh, I will try to calm down. But if they're really not trying to help the situation, I may get mad. Well, in person, I would never get mad at someone. So we just feel way too free online sometimes. So why don't you tell me a little
0: bit about what happens online in your positivity community?
1: We try to just... Um, With the other leader of the community, Um, we try to make challenges to make people um, get out of the negativity that they may have towards themselves. And I also see people helping each other a lot. Some people just need to rant about a situation, and people from an exterior view have a more objective view on the situation. We are calm about it because we don't have any negative feelings about it. So we're able to show each other that we blame ourselves when we're not guilty of something. I can't remember an example right now, but um, a member needed help because of something she did that she felt like wasn't good. And together we found kind of a solution of how she should feel towards the situation. Um, We tried to explain why it was not her fault and why she didn't forgive herself. And I think that's just... A group where we can help each other and inspire each
0: other so it's so great to have a community like that and and just like therapy i think is when i go to therapy one of the things that i really like about it is that i'm not talking to my friends or my partner or my family or even my coworkers. i'm talking to somebody who isn't in my life like i don't see them all the time and so it gives me this sense of freedom like we were talking about, like maybe being on Facebook or something, there's a sense of freedom to be less filtered and less um, constrained, maybe. So maybe I would open up to myself and to others in a way I wouldn't if I was talking to a friend or something, because I would want to preserve my identity.
1: Um, People see us a certain way, and we may be scared that they change their view if we talk, but with a stranger, it can be easier
0: I think so. I think it's okay to do that. I think it's healthy to allow yourself those outlets.
1: Yeah, there can be even more honesty in a conversation with a stranger because you're not scared. Is it judge you, well, you won't see them again anyways. And if they judge you, you know you're not going to build a relationship with them. But if a friend judges you, you can be really disappointed and we worry way more about what friends will think because we want to stick with them while a stranger. If they judge us, we know that it's not a person to go to again.
0: I think so. I think that's a really good point. Because we met in a thrifting amino, we share a love of thrifting. I want to talk about that a little bit. I just found that amino like oh, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks ago. And I'm having so much fun. How did you find the thrifting amino? Uh,
1: I think it wasn't my recommendations. And I just thought it could be interesting to have tips from people because I just started to really go to thrift shops in back in September when I moved to a bigger city. So I thought it could be fun to share with other people. So yeah, I think I just... So it in my recommendations because i'm already on a lot of other immuno communities. oh cool cool um i started a series talking about my favorite thrift shops um i think people on the app don't have them because it's some of them are only in the north of France but i'm also posting hauls and the last thing i posted was advice to sell stuff secondhand on apps um And I don't really know what else I posted. I just ask advice sometimes. Like I asked people how I could customize clothes with paints because I want to thrift jean jackets and um, just decor them a bit with paints. So I ask advice to the members and post what I buy most of the time.
0: Oh, cool. That's like a DIY project. I love those. I like to decorate clothes. One of the things that I've used is just to give you some passive some knowledge. on. I'm a painter as well, is I like to buy craft paints, which are acrylic. And then I'll put I'll put some in a little cup and then I'll add a little bit of water until I get the right density that I want and you can use that on clothing if you want like watercolors and sometimes I'll put that like on a white dress or something like that and it won't dry hard and crusty like it will if you don't put water in it but if you want something really vibrant you know if you want it to be like on a jean jacket you're going to need a darker color you're going to want to use like go to the craft store and get high grade acrylic paints and they're in tubes. So they're highly pigmented and then you can water them down a little bit too so that you can get rid of the crustiness. Now they're a lot more expensive, but you won't use as much. So you can go ahead and get a smaller tube. And then you can always use the the craft paints from the model department. If you're working with a particularly difficult fabric, that may be shiny. Uh, for like model cars and stuff and then you can always use the fabric paint that is also a little more expensive but it
1: doesn't wash out which is really nice
0: that's it all
1: right i'll try i'm gonna try with acrylics and since gin jacket is not washed as often as other clothes because it probably don't wear it every day it should be okay i think
0: Um, the thrifting amino that I, I use it mostly, I think for outfits of the day or thrift hauls. And then I'll put up the, whatever I talk about on the podcast. So like for this podcast, we agreed to talk about uh, recycling and creating like a a more eco-friendly way of shopping through thrifting. And so I'll put that up and say, if you're interested in recycling and the eco-friendly aspects of thrifting, check out this podcast. So okay. I that's really what I use it for. And then I really love to look at other people's thrift hauls. That's what I like to look at and take polls. That's really fun.
1: I like that too. I like to watch hauls in general. I don't know why. That's just interesting to see people's style. But when I see people buying Stuff from fast fashion industry, I get frustrated because I know a lot of stuff that is wrong in that industry. So watching thrifted ones is just more calm. I don't. I tend to sometimes just a bit judge YouTubers, for example, who do super big holes of brand new stuff that they probably won't wear. So yeah, I don't have to be bad and judgmental on thrift. I mean, because I know that people buy secondhand. I'm trying to not judge the people who buy new like influencers who basically their job is to influence people to buy new um yeah i just prefer watching thrifted holes because it's fun too to see what unique pieces you can get secondhand
0: that's a good point i think that's one of the things that i like about thrifting is that If I versus like if I go to a a shopping center or a mall or somewhere where I'm going to buy new goods is that. It's not as thrilling because when I find something I like, they probably have my size. Five other people probably tried it on this day. I don't know. It doesn't feel unique. It feels and it doesn't feel lucky.
1: You know what you're gonna find because it's in five other shops and it's on ads everywhere, and you've seen everyone in the streets and online wearing it. So it's less exciting. I think so too. It's like
0: not. I don't get that buzzy feeling <laughs> I'm like, look what I found, and it's my size, and I love it, and it fits. And look, I also got a whisk for my kitchen in the same store. That's another thing I like about thrifting. It's like. You can get everything you need in one place. Like, I don't have to go to five places to get something for my kitchen, something for my feet, something for my head, something for, you know, my friend, a book. I can buy a book. I can buy a record. (laughs) All in the same store.
1: (laughs) I love that. It's also less stressful. I don't know. It's more chill.
0: Yes, it is more chill. I like it, too. And the music isn't as
1: loud, which is really nice yeah there's less people in the same space like i like big stores that are empty like there are very little clothing in a big space but there are so many people and they're very i don't know they they look stressed they're quick they go to one part of the shop they go try it on they go to pay and they just do that very fast but in thrift shops even if you're with the same amount of people in a smaller space they're more chill and they're more cool and they're not stressing out because they know it's going to take time
0: anyways. I think so. I think a person who isn't in that mind space really stands out in a thrift store. And everybody's like, you need to chill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your bitch is showing. So calm down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We get sort of like you're running our zen space and I'm guilty. I've been in a thrift store at times when I probably didn't have the right amount of time to be there. And it's always in the line where things get really weird. Like the checkout line is when the shit hits the fan, so to speak, which means everything gets crazy, right? Like it's like, look, I have 30 minutes. I need to stop by this thrift store. I don't know why. I just sometimes that's a need I have. It's probably a want, but I think it's a need. And then everything will be fine. I'll do my run. I'll have, I'll get, and I'll get to the register and I'll have like 15 minutes. And then for whatever reason, sometimes the person in front of me has nowhere else to be that day. Like they literally have nowhere to go. And they're just like chit-chatting. And I feel like so mean and angry (laughs) inside because I'm like, hurry up hurry up, in my head, not not out loud. Out loud, I'm pretending to be chill. But inside, I'm losing it. And I think, and I always say to myself, well, you're the one who came in here like 30 minutes was plenty of time, so don't be mad at them. They're just living their life. You know? <laughs> and then, I don't know what happens. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes I have to leave the stuff behind. But it really is my fault for trying to squeeze a thrift trip in the middle of my day. (laughs) It's
1: my fault. The thrift store is tempting. You see the thrift store right next to where you are and you don't have time and that's just frustrating. But pages to pay it's not gonna make
0: it. (laughs) Yeah, that's where it always breaks down for me is in the checkout line. So so I guess I expect it. I, I try to keep that in mind and then just deal with my own stuff on the side. You know, and if I really I have this because I always ask people if they believe in thrift gods and because I do, I always feel like, look, if it's meant to be, it'll be here after work and I'll just come back after work and just kind of let it go. There's always more stuff. Right. So you said something interesting uh, that I wanted to go back to uh, because I, I think, I think that way too is that people who are buying new maybe you are coming from a totally different place than people who are buying secondhand. And the whole vibe is different, right? So when you watch thrift hauls, you enjoy it a lot more than when you watch uh, new goods hauls. And I think there's something cultural going on there. Why do you think you like the thrift haul better than the new clothes haul?
1: Um I don't know in thrift halls people just seem more excited about the item than about the action of buying when when people buy new stuff especially on sales they're like going to buy just because it's cheap when you go to a thrift store you know most of it is going to be way cheaper than if you went to a regular store where stuff is brand new so you don't get excited to buy you get excited to find something cool and if you like it you're gonna buy it, you're not buying just to buy, so it's a different vibe, you just don't see people people sometimes seem um, blinded by just ads and it looks like they buy stuff just to buy stuff well, thrifting, you can't really do that you have to search for the stuff, you have to really want it actually, because if you don't really want to search in a thrift store you're not gonna find anything, so yeah, I don't know, people are just not interested about the same aspect of buying when it's thrifted well when it's new,
0: yeah, I think so too. Now, I will buy new and I buy thrifted, but I very rarely buy new i mostly just because of what we said before, which I just don't like to go to those stores as much 'cause the i I get overwhelmed in those the the new store vibe it's I find it very overwhelming these days. But I don't mind having new clothes. In fact, when I find something in a thrift store that still has the tags on it, I think that's pretty cool, you know? I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So it's not like I'm down on new clothes or anything. It's just more like the whole shopping experience is less fun for me and less enjoyable. But I do think, for me, I try not to judge people who buy new because I feel like I need them. I need them to buy new and not wear it, and donate it, so that I can buy it for $3. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. i try to feel grateful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) um, On Twitter yesterday, I actually just made a thread about what we're talking about, um, because I heard a number, I'm not really sure if it's exact, because I didn't find the source that the YouTuber was talking about, um, but she said that um, women in the UK were asked how many times they wear something before throwing it and they, um, the number that came out of the study was people wear an item seven times only and people were responding to my tweets about that saying hey I thank them because it's right away and then I have it for free or I have it for three euros so <laughs> we kind of need people who waste sometimes but yeah, I just try to encourage people to buy with a different mindset.
0: Let's talk about that mindset a bit uh, because one of the I think one of the things that you posted in the Thrifting Amino was some of the negative aspects of the garment industry, the way it is now, and some benefits of recycling that thrifting has that helps protect the environment from some of those hazards. And then I reposted that article in my Facebook group and a lot of people were really excited and interested in that topic, one of my Patreon subscribers really wanted for me to do an episode on the recycling mindset of thrifting, right? It's like you pay less, you support a better industry than the fashion industry who does better things for the environment and for the social landscape, and then all the ways that that could affect and trickle down into our personal lives. So what are some of your views on why recycling is important, why thrifting is eco-friendly, and what makes the fashion industry or the the, um, the new clothes industry so toxic? Um, well, people want to buy
1: a lot now we don't just want to buy stuff we need which is if we like fashion we want to have clothes that we enjoy to be able to play with fashion and stuff so to be able to give that available to the most people um the fashion industry has created um the fast fashion industry is changing their clothes like every two weeks and making it cheap and to make it cheap um they have to Like, they don't pay people a lot. They make the clothes in countries where the salary is a bit lower so that they are less against the law to pay people really poorly. Um, And they really sometimes don't even care about what happens to the chemicals used in their clothes. If it costs too much to clean the water, maybe they won't clean it at all. So it just um, pollutes a lot. And really... Exploits people basically, and also the fast fashion industry um, is creating an image of people and especially of women that I don't like because um, their models are often are very young. Sometimes they take models who are fourteen year old to present clothes for grown women. So we can't obviously have the same size of them and make some people feel bad. So on every aspect, I don't like the fashion industry because. It's toxic socially, ecologically, and just, for a lot of reasons, it's an industry that I don't want to support. So, and also we we waste stuff that we buy from them. So, um, an item doesn't cause harm only before we buy it. It also causes harm after we buy it because most people get rid of their clothes very fast and without really knowing where it goes, So it keeps polluting the earth and it keeps just being in landfills and being unused when we could do good things with it. I like that. That's a good awareness. I'm particularly
0: interested in the idea that you presented that it's sending a bad social message because it capitalizes on using maybe teenage models for clothes that are marketed towards adult women. And I think that's a really nuanced and very good point because it's one that doesn't get talked about a lot in this context. I think when we tend to talk about gender and fashion, we talk about it in this whole kind of way. We talk about it in an advertising kind of way rather than really just looking at fast fashion as its own problem. So that was a great point. And it's certainly something I experience as a 48-year-old when I go shop at like, say, Forever 21. So I love some of the clothes there, but first of all, I have been socially conditioned to think that I don't belong there. The name alone suggests that I'm immature somehow, right? So it perpetuates the stereotype that if I buy clothes from there, that I am somehow behind in my development rather than just living my life and wearing whatever the fuck I want to. So I'm not down with that screw that. That's not cool. And then I think the other thing is, is that it it's, um it's saying that if I buy cheap fashion, then I must not be successful or something like that. Right. So the implication that is, is an adult woman who's in their forties, I should be buying more expensive clothes that this fast fashion stuff is just for kids. And I think, hold on a second, like in what world would I be able to send my kids to college, have a nice house, have a couple cars, run my businesses, and spend $500 on an expensive pair of pants every time I need a new piece of clothing, right? So I think it does perpetuate a lot of negative stereotypes for who people should be at what ages and why they should be that way. I agree with you very much. That was a really good point.
1: say, so it creates, um, standards you're just supposed to be that way like um it's saying to people of a certain age you can't wear that of a certain size you can't wear that so it's just yeah creating standards to make everyone fit into boxes and it's just toxic and one of the things that
0: i love about a thrift store shop Compared to that, right, is, again, it's such a collective of stuff that I feel like I can always go to a thrift shop, pretty much, and find something that is for me, and I don't have to listen to those messages because it's all crammed in with everything else. There's so many messages, they all just mute each other out, you know? <laughs> it's just, there. it just becomes uh, unimportant. It's a, It's not even a... A dialogue at that point. It's just me going and looking at what I want. And I think the only social dialogue that I really contend with at a thrift shop is that I'm poor if I shop there. Right. Or, and, right. and I don't think that's true. I think that a lot of people shop at thrift shops for many different reasons. And of course, one is income, but that's just one of many variables. What are some of the th- variables you think that make you shop at a thrift store? So you've mentioned that you like to be eco-friendly. Any other ones that come to mind?
1: Um, I want to, yeah, boycott the fashion industry, but also it's, yeah, it's cheaper. Um, the The clothes that I could afford would be stuff like Primark or maybe even H&M. And that's stuff that I want to boycott. I can't afford ethical brands, for example. So the fish yes. shop is also good for that reason. And also for what we were talking about, um, that it's way less stressful to be in a thrift shop than in a big store with so many things in there that you see everywhere and loud music and yeah, just less stressful and people there are just you feel less judged in a thrift store because you can just buy anything really. Um, you don't have to. I mean, you never have to stick to. Maybe, I don't know, I, I buy a lot of stuff from the men's section and in other stores, people kind of look at me in a weird way, especially if I try it. But in a thrift store, it's easier because everything is just together at the same place, so you're naturally judged for what you're buying. And even if it should never matter, we sometimes can't help but think about what people think when they look at us thrifting. So, yeah, I mean, thrifting is not... You don't feel as judged in a thrift store, especially if you don't, um, for me, it's not a part of it because, um, I mean, I'm pretty much fitting in the standards of the fashion industry now, but, um, for some people, if you buy stuff that the fashion industry kind of tells you you're not the type of person who should buy this, in a thrift store, nobody's going to look at you weird for not uh, following that standard, so... Just that's true. A more, yeah, it's a more chill place, really.
0: No, I think that's true. Nobody's ever looked at my pile of stuff in a thrift store that I've been aware of and said, why are you buying that or given me a look of disapproval? It's more like, oh, man, I wish I would have seen that first. <laughs> 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 if anything, it's envy, right? It's like, damn it, yeah. you got my thing. But I I agree with you. And some of the other things I want to pick out of that is I want to go back to this idea that there's some very unethical and dehumanizing behavior going on in the fast fashion industry in particular. And one of the things you mentioned that relates to that is this outsourcing of the jobs to less developed countries where capitalism can take advantage of the low wages and then bring the fashion back to a more industrialized country and then sell it for a price where they profit extremely with disregard for the country to which they are exploiting. I I think that's really important. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Um, Yeah, I have a good example of how much money they make out of people I watched this documentary called, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, it's called Udita. In English, it's called Arise. And it's about uh, women who work in garment factories in Bangladesh. And um, they say that basically each month they're paid the price that you buy a pair of jeans for. So they were paid $38 a month at the moment of the documentary. Now they got 64 I think they make. Like, they had protests and stuff, and they managed to have a higher pay, but it's still really nothing. So basically, they produce, I don't know how many jeans a day, but they get paid. The amount of money that the industry makes for one jeans is the pay of one person for a full month. So it's oh my just God. profit out of people who can't even live their lives correctly because it's not a sustainable salary to have.
0: And the thing I think that pisses me off about that the most is that when I think about being, let's say I'm that wage laborer in that undeveloped country, I'm grateful for that job, right? It's like, this is an opportunity for me. And and I'm feeling grateful to have the work because I need to feed my family. So what's exploitative is that this more developed country that has more knowledge and more awareness of the larger impact of this is ignoring all of that information and capitalizing on this, the individual person's disparity and gratitude. And that just pisses me the fuck off. Like, it just hurts so much to think. I don't know. I, I'm that It just it hurts. Like, I feel sad when I think about this People who are, I'm assuming, are working very hard because they're in poverty and they need to feed their family. And these other people are capitalizing on that without thinking about how it really feels.
1: Right. One of the women that uh, in this documentary that um, the reporters met uh, was saying that she's kind of grateful that the industry, that the factory is here because it's her only option. Because back when she was a kid, I don't know if it's still the case. I think it has changed. But back when she was a kid, uh, girls were not getting educated in school, so she had no other choice but to work there. And later in the documentary, another woman who lost her two daughters in uh, an accident with a factory that they built really poorly to pay less. So the factory fell down basically on people. And she was saying that she wishes people in countries who get these clothes were buying more I don't know, like she she was saying that she wishes we buy our clothes and think more about what's behind the low price, because what's behind the low price was um, no safety for the employees and no consideration for them. That's right. And that's
0: the part that's heartbreaking. And I think that if the companies that are capitalizing on this were more responsible I don't know, and they address the environmental piece, which we'll get back to. But if they address these social pieces, that would go a long way, in my book. I, I, I am not as informed about the environmental impacts because I'm not a geoscientist, and I just sometimes I frankly just don't understand all of the things that I'm reading. It, it can be a little, you know, maybe over my education level or my edu- not level, but my educational awareness probably that some of these things I'm like, okay, I, I believe it, but I don't know exactly what that entails. Right. So I don't know if I can speak to that as much, but it would mean a lot to me if as a consumer, the company was taking care of their employees more. And like you said earlier, though, I can't always afford the ethical fashion because in part it's overinflated. And that's something that I think is missing in the conversation that even in fast fashion the price is over inflated based on what they're spending on it, right? You're saying they they would make on one pair of jeans the whole salary of the person who's producing it. That is true, but it's also true in
1: high fashion. Yeah, pro yeah, it's probably just a problem of big industries that just don't care about anything else but making money and that's really frustrating like I can't imagine thinking that way even if I had the opportunity to make a lot of money but I had to exploit people for that I would never so I can't really understand why these people do that and it's really frustrating and it makes me really angry that they don't care like they don't even answer to people when we ask them questions about how ethical are their factories and stuff they don't answer because they they make um, sweatshops and stuff, make clothes for them so that it's not under their responsibility. And I really don't understand why, like how you could not care about the harm that you're causing. If they care to even see what's going on in their factories and I think they know, they just ignore it, it, it would help a lot. I think so. I think if
0: they started addressing the social pieces and remembered the empathy and and put themselves more responsible for what happens, the outcomes, then it would be harder to ignore the environmental concerns. If they can ignore the humanity piece, they can certainly ignore the ecological pieces, right? Because most of the time it is easier to empathize with that which is like you and that's what you know the most about, which would be human beings uh, in any case. And then from there, it gets harder and harder to understand and to empathize. So I don't see it tighten up their environmental restrictions if they don't give a shit about the human beings that they're exploiting. So I think that needs to come first. And it just in, in terms of how psychology works, you know, but we do we should talk about the environmental concerns, because that's one of the things that I think thrifting does for me is that it does make me feel like I'm recycling and doing my part in in sort of reducing overall waste
1: um well first you don't support an industry that's polluting the earth so to me that was the first thing but then I realized also that we have so much waste already we have Spaces that are just filled with our trash that we just throw away, and most of it is not even trash. It's just stuff that we could reuse, and we don't. So, thrifting is just um, a way of giving a second life to something that can really be used again. I've seen people throw away stuff that look brand new, and like you could just give them to someone who needs it. And that's just—I don't understand why people would like faraway stuff that can be used because if you go thrifting you will see that most of the stuff that you buy like everything you buy you can still wear for a long time it's not like it's about to fall apart so we don't need to create new stuff if a ton of stuff already exists everywhere in the world we just need to reuse it so thrifting is i think a very good alternative because when you donate something like sometimes it will go to a thrift store that will sell it for a low price, and um, I don't know other thrift stores everywhere in the world, but here, um, the ones I go to, they give the money to charities, or like, they are charities, and mm-hmm. then they use the money to do good things, so, yeah, I mean, the money that you spend on thrifted items go to people who want to do good things with it, and um, I don't know, the whole process of it's just, you, you're giving another lifetime item, and... The way you buy it is more ethical and it's more helpful because you help reducing waste, you help not supporting industries that pollute the world, and you help giving money to organizations that want to do good things with it. So you're just helping environmentally and globally by buying that way.
0: That that I think that's true, and I think that um, when I think about so fashion has levels, right? And so fast fashion is the lower level of the garment industry. And there's a middle level that I think most people are consuming uh, to a moderate degree, you know, and that's things like your department stores, where you maybe you buy a coach bag or, you know, um, buy that, oh, what's it, you know, Vince camuto shoe or something like that where it's this it's not like a, is a, what we would call fast fashion disposable fashion but it's also not high fashion and the upper tier of fashion I think is also fairly eco-friendly it's much more eco-friendly than the lower two levels of fashion right because the things are often handmade the processes are, are uh, much more craft oriented the fabrics are dyed in more ethical ways because they're dyed in very small quantities, right? And they're, and the, the craftsmanship is still the highest value of that commodity. So when you buy something, a couture piece, you are buying a handmade object that even if it's produced for more than one person is produced in a much more ethical way, just simply by the constraints of making that garment. It's not that that person is intending to be ethical. It's that the way that it's made comes with those constraints. Does that make sense the way I'm saying that?
1: Yeah, if you buy something that has been made thousands of times, it's not going to be made the same the same way because it's going to be made pretty poorly with pretty bad conditions. It's going to have to be made fast. Well, if something is like, yeah, couture stuff is just a different way because it's a bit more unique it's not an, a unique item but it's more unique because it's a smaller quantity and it's for a smaller public I guess so yes yeah so there's less room for abuse in a place where more people like there are less people involved but you can see more what's going on so I don't know exactly. yeah
0: yeah no that's exactly it and then where I see that the the, the drifting came in for me when I was young was that I actually wanted those things. I've always, since I was a really small kid, really loved fashion. And when I think of fashion, I don't think of fast fashion. I think of runway. I think of, you know, Dolce & Gabbana. I think of Chanel. I think of all these things that I will never be able to afford quite frankly. And, I want those things just like the consumers that are able to buy them. I want to feel special. I want that unique item. I want that well-constructed garment. I want that hand-dyed fabric. But I can't afford it. And so fast fashion comes on because of that, right? Fast fashion is built on copying runway looks for the masses. And I get it. I do. The problem comes into play in the production of it, right? And that's where it's impossible for vendors and for creators at Fast Fashion to replicate these looks on the runway without cutting corners and selling it for a low price. So we're in kind of a conundrum there, right? So it's not like I think an evil board of people is sitting around and trying to figure out how they can destroy the planet. That That's not what I think. <laughs> I think that it's a it's a byproduct of people wanting the things that are inspiring but not being able to afford them because there is an elitist gatekeeping process there where I can't have this Chanel. Why does the Chanel jacket have to be five thousand dollars? Well, that's a really important question, I think. And when I look into the environmental aspects of fashion for high versus low-end items, you can really see where some of that money's going. But there is no universe in which a jacket is actually worth $5,000. No.
1: Yeah, it's just to keep it to certain people and keep it to a certain category of people for them yep. to be able to show how much they have. And we want the same because we want to not feel inferior to them maybe. So yeah, fast fashion can't fashion can't be as cheap as fast fashion is without being unethical. But then maybe we need to work on not influencing people to do things that I mean people are influenced by high fashion because they feel they are made to feel inferior if they don't have as much money as the people that can afford it. So the problem comes from literally everywhere. So that's very
0: hard to fix. And that's what I think thrifting gives me. It gives me a solution for a lot of the problems without having to tackle the problems directly. And I really like that. And so if you're feeling powerless as a consumer, you know what? I understand that. I do. But you're not. You can thrift instead. I mean, that is, to me, the easiest way to address a lot of these problems without actually having to tackle the issues directly. You can do it in this indirect way by shifting the majority of your consumption to secondhand items. Sure, you still want to buy that occasional good that's new. Like, say you have a wedding to go to and you just can't find a thrift outfit fast enough that's just right for you. You know, go buy yourself that nice dress. But think about that as a one-off rather than a way of living. And so that's one of the things that I really like about thrifting and that drew me to it in the first place. I remember one of my first big thrift finds was I was going to a Madonna concert back in the day when I was really young. I think this was the Blonde Ambition Tour. And I had won a contest for dancing to go and I was going to get to go backstage And hang out with downtown Julie Brown. This is how old I am, okay? And I wanted something special. So I hit up all these little thrift stores in Houston. And I found this amazing Oscar de la Renta vintage couture evening dress that was stunning. And, you know, I paid like $25 for it. And it was black silk chiffon, and it would still be beautiful today if it still fit me. I don't have it because it was like a size two. (laughs) You know, Forget it. (laughs) But um, it was like um, just a fitted bodice with a straight across the butt cut line. And then it had a high neck, circle neck, chiffon piece over the top. And the chiffon and the silk bodice went all the way to the knee. And then it had ostrich feathers all the way around the hymn line and so it, and it was just it's just a simple glorious stunning dress and I felt like a million dollars and that's when I knew I will always be buying secondhand glorious items from here on you know like I was it, that was it I was converted for life
1: yeah like you were saying in I remember the title of the podcast but you were giving tips to buy shoes online that are way less expensive than they're actually how actually priced they are and like how like you were saying there you deserve to have the beautiful stuff so the thrift store is giving them like a second life for you to buy them when you could not afford them brand new so that's a good option to have beautiful stuff if you if you're into fashion and you want Like the pieces that you can see on runways and stuff. Maybe a few years later you'll find them in the thrift stores. That's the key. You have
0: to have patience.
1: You have to
0: have some consistency in your fashion personality, which I think is the down is, is a big downside of fast fashion too that we don't consider very much. Is that we're allowing ourselves to be inconsistent in our fashion identity. We just go with the trend. trend. But who are you? What is your trend? (laughs) I'm the same trend as I was when I bought that Oscar. I would still buy that dress today, you know, 25 years later. (laughs) I would still buy it.
1: My my style changed a lot since I started thrifting because whenever I was in, in middle school, I think I started to like stuff that was not on trend at all. I like high-waisted jeans and large shirts and stuff like that. And it's on trend right now. So right now, I could find the stuff I like in fast fashion stores. But I'm not interested in that. And since it's stuff that was on trend a long time ago, because fashion is kind of a circle. It uh-huh. always comes back. So I can find it in thrift stores. So, I mean, the stuff that I liked when I didn't know I could wear different stuff because I thought I just had to go with the trend. I can wear it now because it's everywhere in thrift stores because it's on trend so people buy it and get rid of it like they do with everything but it's also you can also find the same pieces that were actually started in like years ago because it was on trend years ago and you can just find stuff that is unique and even if it's not unique like right now if you keep the same style you will end up being unique again because it will, the trend will change. And if you don't follow only what's available in big stores, you're able to keep your style because in thrift stores, you can find stuff from any time that has ever happened. Mm-hmm. You can find stuff from the 50s, from stuff that went on stores like two weeks ago because somebody got rid of it. You can literally find anything. So, whatever is your style, you don't have to. Build it with stuff that you can find right now. You can build your style with stuff that, that doesn't even exist anymore. I agree. And I, I think it's really knowing what your style is that isn't
0: something that you can find in a store. Meaning, I I can always go to the gap or Forever Twenty One or you know some department store, Macy's or whatever, and I can find things that appeal to me and that I like, but Buying that isn't going to tell me what my style is. Style is an internal construct. Next trend is going to be low rise jeans again, because guess why? High rise jeans are in fashion right now. This is the way fashion works. If you want to know how fashion works, it works in polarities. Inspiration occurs along something that uh, Socrates highlighted, you know, back in 300 BC. So this has been happening for a long time is that there's something called the dialectic process. And what that means is that arguments are what create change. And fashion is no different. So right now, we're really into the argument of high-rise jeans. The counter argument is low-rise. So that's the direction we're headed in next. And you'll see this over and over in fashion. If uh, mini skirts are in style, guess what's coming in style next? Maxis. And then from there, the evolution continues over and over. And there's just this circle that happens because of this dialectic. And in fashion, it's limited because there are only so many arguments to have. (laughs) It's more limited than other functions that we may see in society. So if you want to know what's happening next in fashion, look at what's happening now and then think the opposite of it and then update it based on the current context. So we're not going to go back to low-rise jeans that are whitewashed and bell-bottoms and whatever. We're going to go to a new version of low-rise jeans, right? So what I do when I'm parsing out a trend is I pick out the two favorite pieces of that and I keep them like an archive. So when that trend comes back on, the ones that best speak to my personality, I already have them. And then I just add and update a little bit. Does
1: that make sense? Yeah, it does. You you keep your style, but you have a way to be on the trend and you're, you're still inspired by it. So that's a good way to keep your own style still.
0: Yeah, you want your own style, I think. I think if you don't know what your style is, go find out. And the easiest way to find out is to stop consuming fast fashion for a little bit spend a little bit more money on a few items or go to a thrift shop and try on every different kind of style you can curate at the thrift store and really sit with it a bit. See which ones you feel the most like you in and then buy
1: those. Those are the ones. Oh, uh, thrift stores are good for that because You don't pay as much for something, so you can allow yourself to try different styles. And also, you're not influenced because everything in the store is different.
0: I think that's true. I do.
1: So at a thrift store, yeah,
0: you can try on different personalities. And then if you end up not liking it, you can recycle it back to the thrift store and leave it for someone else.
1: Right. You can just... You're not wasting anything because you're somebody is going to benefit from what you're going to give back anyways. And you're already taking something that somebody didn't want anymore. So you're creating your own, your own trend cycle with, within the thrift store and with the people who thrift, because you exchange stuff when you change your style. So I think that's really cool to, to do
0: that. I do too. I do too. And I would be remiss in this, segment of the interview, if I didn't bring up one of the people that I think does this really well is Iris Eiffel. Do you know who that is? Iris Eiffel is this, um, I I believe she's in her 90s. I I guess I could look up her age, but she is an older woman who's been in the fashion industry for a long time, and she has a very unique style. Um, she has been curating clothes. She's 96 years old. She has been curating clothes most of her life. And she has an astonishing collection of beautiful couture pieces, high-end pieces, unique pieces. Quite frankly, some of them look thrifted, right? Like, I mean, they're, they're the kind of clothes that any thrifter would want. If, if I could go into iris's closet and just have a heyday i could die happy like that's where i'd want to die in her closet it's amazing (laughs) it's gorgeous (laughs) And, and it's stuff that she's collected for decades like she's not going out and buying all new clothes every season which is a thing in the fashion industry that if you wore it last year it's done that's ridiculous so she does the opposite of that And I love her style. If you don't know who she is, you should look her up, everybody listening, because she's an inspiration. And I think she's sort of in all the worlds of fashion instead of just this, you have to be on trend, you have to, you know, dispose of garments if you've worn them once, you consume whatever the latest thing is. She's the opposite of that. She has a very unique style. She stayed with it for decades and she's gonna die that way. And she just lets fashion catch up to her every few years. You know? She sees the cycle of fashion and just waits for it to come back to her. And I love that. That to me
1: is inspiring. I just, I just looked her, I just looked her up and like I think she I saw her in an interview or something. She has a very unique style and I can see stuff that I saw on trends, like when I look up trends for this or that here, and she's just wearing everything at the same time. It's so cool. Yeah,
0: and she's been doing it forever, right? Like that's. I think we all need an inspiration in life, and we need inspirations for each of the aspects of life. And I guess if I have one fashion inspiration. It's probably Iris. I I feel like she speaks to that part of me that says, be yourself. Be who you are no matter what's going on around you. And what you wear tells people that you have that security, that you're not worried about what people think of you. You're not worried about whether or not they would wear it because that sends a message that you are not there for them. And I really like that. That's very much what my personality is like. So she's my fashion icon. I would encourage everybody to have a fashion icon and that can guide through you through your thrift adventures and help you make choices about what to buy. And even if you are going to consume some fast fashion, make sure it's stuff that you want to keep, you know, it doesn't have to be fast on your end. If you care about it and you take good care of it and you are conscious of the labor that goes into it, then you're making a difference. I like what you said earlier, Jay, about the interview with the woman who worked in the sweatshop said she wished that consumers were more aware of what they put into the garment. That really stuck with me. Yeah,
1: we need to know what we buy. Even if we can't avoid it, or don't always want to avoid it, we need to know what's going on behind it so that we can, we can not make the choice if we don't know. So I think it's the first step is really just to know what's going on and then to make your own choice once you know.
0: I like that so much. I think, I think this has been a really great conversation. and I'm super glad we got to talk. Thanks for coming on and educating us and giving us a lot to think about. Now I want to switch gears and ask you the thrift questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, so these are the questions that I ask every guest about their thrifting process. And there's five of them. And we usually just go pretty quickly through the questions and spend a little time on the answer. So here we go. How often?
1: Um at least once a week, I would say. All right. List or spontaneous? I make a list but I don't buy anything on it I just go with this idea and I don't buy anything that I needed that's funny <laughs> your list sucks it's useless yeah my list is just an excuse I'm like oh I need that so I'm gonna go but I just buy anything that I like what about thrift gods? I think it's what I said about how your mindset mindset is that day. That's how I see it. You just have more luck on some types of items because you are focused on them. So I think it's more you. Alone or with friends? Uh, I've never been with friends, but I would love to. Uh, Actually, I want to go to Paris to do all the thrift stores because there are way more than here. And I would like to go with friends, but at the same time, my friends would get annoyed because I spend way too much time on, in one shop. And it's a good alone time. Um, I'm more of an introvert, so spending time alone is more fun for me sometimes. But it could be nice to like give each other advice and opinions on the clothes and just even find stuff for each other. I would like to like style my friends and help them find stuff for themselves in the thrift store. I should try it, but... Nobody really wants to go with me for the moment.
0: So. Well, you know, take them to lunch and then go to a thrift store. That's what I do.
1: i force yeah. them.
0: <laughs> so what about best or worst thrift
1: moment? Do you have like a seminal thrift story? Uh, the first time I went thrifting, I think now I'm selling most of the stuff that I bought because I just didn't really think about what I was buying. I think I bought stuff that wasn't trend, but I could find in store because... I was not already in that mindset to um, try to have my own style. So that would be the bad thrift experience. Uh, Nothing crazy or weird happens in thrift stores to me because I just don't go with people and don't really notice them. It's more about what I find that day. And um, best thrift would be one of the last times I went went thrifting. I found really cool stuff. And I was just happy that the, the store... Changed the prices. So you used to be able to have three items for 10 euros and now it's four items. So I was excited about that because I had a good excuse to get more stuff. So that would be the good thrift experience. I love (laughs) it.
0: That's a happy day. I mean, see, that is another thing I love about thrifters is that we're always working the deal, right? Like we love the deal. Well, thank you so much for coming on Thrift Therapy. talk to you. It was really fun to talk to someone in a different country, too. I enjoyed this connection that even though we live in different places, there's so much that is fundamentally the same. That's really cool. I I liked getting to know you better. Thank you for coming on.
1: Thanks for inviting me. It was really fun.
0: All right. Well, I will see you online, Jay. Take care of yourself and stay thrifty. Well, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking with Jay. She is very inspiring and reminds me of some of the reasons I got into thrifting. Not just for the good deals, not just to maximize my dollar, but also because it feels good to shop in a consumer smart way. And I think it benefits the planet and I think it benefits all of us equally. Instead of the disparities that we see in the garment industry. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Thrift Therapy Pod. You can also follow my outfit of the day on Instagram at Thrift Therapy Pod underscore OOTD. This is where I post all my thrifted outfits and I try to post one every single day. So if you wanna know what I've been wearing for the past two years, go there. You can also join the Facebook group at Thrift Therapy on Facebook. And I have a website where you can find all of these links, plus you can sign up for your very own thrift bag, or you can find my Patreon link and sponsor the show that way without getting a thrift bag. I have dollar levels, I have $5 levels where you can choose a topic like Jillian Price did for this episode. I hope you liked it Jillian and if you have anything to contribute please drop me a line I'd love to know what your thoughts are on sustainability like I said earlier in the show if you want to be on the show email me a pitch at thrifttherapypod at gmail.com and I'd love to have you on and hear what you have to say about thrifting and how it affects your life Don't forget to rate, subscribe and review to the podcast and be sure and tell a friend. Well, that's all I have for you today. I'm gonna leave you with a promo for a podcast that I think you might be interested in. And I also want to let you know that while I didn't talk about the Podocalypse, it's because I forgot my notes at my office. And I wasn't there this weekend, so I will definitely talk more about the Podocalypse and the people I met in the podcast community that I had so much fun hanging out with on the next episode. See you then. Bye. Stay thrifty, everybody. Hi, this is Yannick Taylor, host of Black, Trans, and Beautiful. Honey, on Black, Trans, and Beautiful, we treat you like family. We live, we laugh, we educate, and we just commiserate about life as trans women. However, we welcome all people from every walk of life. So go ahead, subscribe, and take a listen to Black, Trans, and Beautiful. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at BTransBPodcast. We love you. Live, love, and be free.
1: The queen